It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's deflected and picked up Mosey. He'll take it in. It's a pick six and a touchdown. Fell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder. 85 yards. There was contact with a quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and what? it's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And the NFL schedule is out now, and we did part one of this two-part crossover episode over on the Turn on the Jets feed, which you can go and check out right now. But part two is right here on Play Like a Jet, where we're going to go through the second half of the New York Jets 2020 schedule, of course, welcoming in the boss, the owner of TurnOnTheJets.com and the host of the Turn on the Jets podcast, Mr. Joe Caparoso. So, Joe, I'll let you start this one off. What do you think now as we get to the second half of this schedule where do you come down on the first couple of games? I mean, we went through the the first eight over on the turn on the Jets feed, and we both agreed that for the most part, up through week seven, at least on paper, while it's tough, it's not quite at the full gauntlet level that it was uh, last year. And if the Jets are going to in any way be competitive, can they find a way to get through this first half of the season, which closes with a game at Kansas City? at least at 4-4, four and four, because then they get into this back half of the schedule, which includes their bye week, uh, which includes two games against Miami, which includes a pretty brutal final stretch of travel at least, um, which is very much unlike last year, where a lot of their quote-unquote easier games were sandwiched in the back half of the year. The schedule's a little more evenly distributed this year. Uh, the travel is a little rougher on the back end, and we know that Gase has struggled uh, with road games in recent years. So if the Jets are going to be competitive, he's going to have to reverse that trend. So, you know, after they get through at Kansas City in Week 8, their next trip is they come back home, they play the Patriots on Monday night. This is the second of their two primetime games, uh, the other one being Week 4 home against Denver. So you get your Monday night game against New England. Primetime games against New England have recently been a nightmare, but hopefully it's different with Jared Stidham instead of Tom Brady. Then they go at Miami, bye week in week 11. I think a pretty good time to have a bye week. Uh, Then versus Miami at home. So they play Miami two straight games, which is very bizarre. I don't know if that's like ever happened. Certainly not for the Jets. And I just wonder how common it's even happened for any NFL team uh, to play the same team two games in a row. Uh, And then you get the Raiders at home. So I think on paper, actually, even with the Patriots at home, uh, this four-game stretch with the bye in between is probably the kindest stretch on paper because they beat Miami at home last year. They beat the Raiders at home last year. I think Miami is going to be better. I don't think they're really going to be a playoff team yet this year. We don't know if it's going to be Fitz or Tua quarterback. But, you know, three of the three of the four at home with a bye week sandwiched in there, your only road trips down to Miami. Uh, this would be a time to go 3-1 and one, or maybe even go 4-0 and oh if you're serious about playing a playoff team. But, uh, what do you think about these these four games? I think that the Patriots are a team that 
a lot of people are sort of writing off as being at the top because of Brady leaving. And so everybody thinks that Jarrett Stidham is going to go in there and just be a deer in headlights. The only thing I can tell you is from talking to people that know the situation pretty well in New England, for whatever it's worth, apparently Belichick and McDaniels are very, very high on Stidham. So between that and the fact that they have an elite defense, I think they're going to be a lot tougher than people realize. Now, this is certainly the most beatable that New England has felt since the year that Matt Castle was the quarterback, but I wouldn't be banking on the Jets being able to have their way with New England. I'm going to be generous here and say that the Jets are going to split all the division games. So I'll give them a split. I'll say that they get one against Miami, the one at home. I'll say they get the one against New England at home. And I'm going to say that they're able to beat the Raiders at home. I think the Raiders are a team that didn't really improve that much. I think they're an okay team, but the Jets handled them last year with a weaker roster. And I think that if anything, maybe the Raiders improved as much as the Jets. I don't think they made any major improvements. So I could see this being, like you said, a pretty kind stretch. Three and one could certainly be a possibility here. But I also think that people need to be careful to get roped into the idea of sweeping the Dolphins because I don't remember the last time the Jets did that. It's been a while. But Flores really seems to have done a great job of turning this around. And that game down in Miami is going to be pretty difficult. So I wouldn't be banking on that. Remember, last year, they barely beat the Dolphins. They had to get a last-minute penalty and then that kick from Sam Ficken to win the game at the end. So there's no guarantees. We'll see what happens, but I could see a three-in-one stretch here if everything breaks right. It wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, look, I mean, with Miami, I thought Miami was really impressive last year considering what they did to their roster, and the Jets were sort of Mm -hmm. a phantom Vincent Smith penalty away from getting swept by them which you know, mm-hmm. was problematic. And to be, to be fair, Miami was playing well down the stretch. They obviously they, they won that Week 17 game in New England. They added a lot to that defense. I mean, they have a hell of a corner of trios now after getting Byron Jones. They'll get Xavier and Howard back. They added Van Noy and uh, Shaq Lawson to the front. Uh, it's going to be a pretty good defense. They still have some major questions on the offensive line. Uh, if Chan Gailey is 2015 Chan Gailey, that could be a scary offense. Uh, if the offensive line holds up, I don't know what Chan Gailey's where he's at right now. I mean, that was a long time ago, uh, but that was kind of an interesting hire because I actually thought their offensive coordinator did pretty good last year. I really don't know how quarterback's going to shake out with them at this point, whether we're going to see, you know, Tua or whether it's going to be Fitz, but Miami, those are not easy games. Division games are never easy, but you know, you got to hope you're at least splitting there. And if I think like you said, if the Jets could go three and three in the division, uh, it's a step up from last year. I don't know if that's going to be enough to get them over the hump of being seven and nine, which kind of feels like they're ceiling ish right now, unless a few things break right to get them up over 500. So the close to the schedule, which is pretty damn difficult. You fly across the country to play at Seattle. They'll stay on the West Coast to play at the Rams. Uh, Then you fly back across the country to play the Browns at home in your home finale. And then you fly to New England to finish the season. Uh, A place the Jets have unfortunately finished the the season a lot during this nine-year playoff drought, never with really encouraging results. Uh, Hard to imagine New England's not going to be playing for something in that game. The Browns, still a lot of talent on paper. They're not dealing with Freddie Kitchens anymore. I don't know if Stefanski's going to be good or not, but 
Not going to be an easy game. Uh, obviously, the Browns beat the Jets last year. There were mitigating stances with the quarterback, uh, circumstances with the quarterback, but they also beat the Jets the year before uh, with Baker Mayfield. So, you know, not an easy game, I don't think. You know, Cleveland was 7-9 and nine last year, and we'll have a better coaching staff this year. And, you know, got Jack Conklin and got Andrew Thomas. Or, I'm sorry, I got Jedrick Wills. I'm getting confused with teams I dislike adding offensive linemen if the Jets didn't in the first <laughs> round. Uh, and then Seattle and the Rams. I mean, Seattle, hardest one of the hardest places to play in the NFL. They're good every year because Russell Williams is Russell Wilson is spectacular. And then the Rams, who I think a lot of people are understandably, you know, kind of down on a little bit because of what's happened in their roster. But McVay is still a pretty smart guy. Uh, a lot of talent still spread throughout that roster. I think, you know, they kind of – Jared Goff is always sort of the wild card there, but not an easy conclusion. So it's not like if you're the Jets, you can't go into this stretch, you know, at five and seven and say we're going to run the table to get to nine and seven. I think you got to be seven and five uh, going into these last four if you want to have a real chance of making any playoff noise. What do you think about the finish? Yeah, I'll be honest with you, Joe. I think there's a really strong chance they're going to go zero and four here. I don't see them going on the road and beating the Seahawks. Going into Foxborough Week 17, that's going to be really hard, especially when you factor in what the weather's most likely going to be like, and that would favor a team with a really strong defense, which would be the Patriots. The Rams, like you said, they're a team that certainly has taken a bit of a tumble from being the darlings, but at the same time, their roster still is decent enough and they're going to be at home, and the Jets have to go all the way across the country. This is a team, by the way, that did win nine games last year. It's not like they were a terrible team. They just fell short of the very high expectations that a lot of people had for them. And the Browns, listen, I know that last year they were a huge disappointment, and I'm not saying that they're going to go to the Super Bowl or anything like that, but you just hit on it. They made a lot of really nice additions in the offseason. I thought they had one of the better drafts of any of the teams. They added some really nice pieces. And then on top of that, Joe, you got to keep in mind the fact that they also signed Jack Conklin on top of all the good draft pieces. So you've got Wills and Conklin there as the two tackles. And that was one of the biggest weaknesses that the Browns had last year. I think that's going to help Baker Mayfield a ton. And I've talked about this before, but for whatever anybody wants to say about Sam Darnold, I just think that it's indisputable that both the Bills and the Browns have done far more to help their quarterbacks going forward than the Jets did. And the Browns did a lot last year, so the Bills, and then they continue to do that. The Jets certainly made improvements, but I think when you look at the rosters there, there's no comparison. So I think there's a very strong chance that they go 0-4 here in this last stretch. So if they don't do really well during that stretch where they have the Patriots at home, the two Dolphins games and the Raiders at home, then all of a sudden, like you said, instead of maybe hitting that ceiling, they hit closer to the floor. And this is where you start to get into the discussions about if it's worst case scenario, how do you evaluate the coaching staff and everybody going forward? And I've talked to Manish about this on the podcast, but I want you to kind of verbalize it as well. I know that you're big on the playoff mandates. I'm not. I think that even if the Jets, say, hit their floor, which would presumably be 5-11, and 11, if Sam Darnold looks much better, if the offense plays better, if Le'Veon Bell isn't used poorly, if we don't hear stuff about guys like Quincy Inunua 
and Kelechi Osemele. Now, not them particularly because they're not going to be here this year. But if we don't hear stuff about guys like that having issues in the locker room and Gase losing respect, if we see an overall improvement in all of these areas that a head coach needs to be good at in order to succeed as head coach in the NFL, then I'm not as concerned with the record simply because I think if they go on the road and lose to Seattle and the Rams and they lose to the Chiefs and all these teams that I think we agree are much better than them. And on paper, as we said, the stealing is probably seven and nine ish. If they don't make the playoffs because they're just not good enough to do it and not because Gase held them back with the things that I mentioned, plus also bad adjustments and bad game planning and poor clock management and things like that, then I wouldn't be upset if they brought him back for a third year because it would have shown real growth. But that's going to be the question here. So I think that's what you really start to look at if things fall apart in those last four games, which they very well could. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hoopin' with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. It's a tough finish. I mean, there's no other way to slice it. And I think you made a good point that, you know, the Rams were not terrible last year. They were 9-7, and and they would have made the playoffs if we were going under the format that's going to be in place this year. So unlike last year, you know, the groundwork is not laid for a a quote-unquote super strong finish. Uh, 
because of the schedule. If the Jets have a strong finish this year, it's going to be really impressive unless, you know, Seattle or the Rams or the Browns or the Pats lose their quarterback or other different things happen. But uh, it's a tough four-game stretch to, to wrap up the schedule. And, you know, we'll probably learn a lot about this team uh, with back-to-back games on the West Coast and then having to fly back and play two teams in the Browns and the Pats who I think will definitely, definitely be in the mix for a playoff spot. Again, I think New England is the favorite to win the AFC East until proven otherwise. And I think the Browns, especially with seven teams making the playoffs, are going to be competing for a wild card spot. There's a lot of talent on that roster. And I know they got out over their skis last year and really embarrassed themselves in a lot of ways. But I know it's not a popular thing to say. I still think Baker Mayfield could be a good starting quarterback in the NFL. And if OBJ gets his head on right, there's a lot of talent on that offense uh, For if someone like Freddie Kitchens is in there messing it up. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, how this season is evaluated will be interesting. Uh, we're already seeing the groundwork laid of the excuses that this is a tough schedule and <laughs> it's all on Sam Darnold to you know save it. And I, I'm sure that there's a way for the Jets to justify seven and nine or eight and eight as a massive success this year. Now, look, I yeah, it's very obvious how I feel about the Jets coaching staff and that I want them to move on from them. And until I see them win more football games, my opinion's not going to change. No matter how much angry stuff you tweet at me, it's not going to change. Until he wins more games, I don't care. I don't care. Um, but if the Jets go 8-8 eight and eight and they have a top 10 offense and Sam Darnold has a great year, do I think they should get rid of the whole coaching staff? No. If they go eight and eight and they have a bottom 20 and they're in between 20 and 32 in offense and Sam Darnold takes marginal steps forward from year two to year three, like he did from year one to year two, and the Jets won eight games because they played backups and their defense played out of their minds, do I think he should be brought back? No, and I don't care even if he improved one game on the year before. At the end of the year, at the end of the day, I don't know how many years in a row you get to be a head coach in the NFL and not make the playoffs. I think four is enough, which it would be if the Jets don't make the playoffs, especially with an expanded field. So we'll see how it shakes out. Expectations you know, away from the fan base are not going to be that high. Most people are going to pick the Jets to finish last in the AFC East, candidly, and Jet fans are going to get all aggrieved and angry about it. But Miami added a lot of talent this offseason, and Brian Flores very well may be a much better coach than Adam Gates. Too early to really tell, but he might be. Uh, and I think a lot of people are going to be picking the Jets or Dolphins to go 6-10 and 10 and finish in the basement of the AFC. So uh, that could be wrong. And if Sam Darnold takes a big step forward and they get some injury luck this year instead of what they got last year, they could be a 10-6 and 6 team. It's not crazy. Uh, you don't know how the schedule is going to break, and a great quarterback changes a lot of different things. Would I bet on them being 10-6? and 6? No. Is it silly to give them a record prediction at this point? Probably, but what the hell. I think they'll probably be 6-10 and 10 or 7-9. and 9. Now we'll see if that changes. Uh, with what happens in the coming months, but that's kind of where I'm at right now overall. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I actually think that it's going to be around 6-10. and 10. Last year I said 7-9, and nine. I ended up being right. I didn't think it was going to play out the way that it did, but 7-9 and nine felt about right to me. I think 6-10 and 10 is probably about where it's going to end up because I think, like we were talking about, even if you're generous and give them a split in the division and make them 3-3, three and three, now – you still have to talk about all the other really tough games. I don't see them winning against Seattle on the road, like I said, or the Rams. I don't see them winning that game on the road against Kansas City. I think that game at home against Cleveland is going to be really tough. I don't know if they're going to win both the Arizona game and the Denver game at home. If they do win both, that would be great. 
But I just ultimately think that they're probably going to end up having a really tough time winning any road games. As you said, Joe, Gase has had trouble winning on the road, but it goes well beyond Gase. The Jets in general have been a really bad road team for a long time, and I think that's a big part of why they've been bad for a long time is because good teams win games on the road, and they haven't really done that in quite a while. So I think that that trend is going to continue and it's going to be a problem. But what I will say is I think the record is secondary in terms of determining what to do with the way forward to how this team performs. And listen, the Jets were the 32nd-ranked offense in the league last year. And they had really bad personnel. Now, it should have been 32nd, certainly. But it should have been at least someone in that 20 to 25 range. I think if the Jets' offense can get into that, let's say, 15 to 20 range, which would be a major improvement from last year, and if Sam Donald can become, say, a top 15-ish quarterback. Now, listen, if he becomes like a top 5 to 10 quarterback, now we're looking at a situation where this team's going to have a puncher's chance in almost any game. But if I'm being realistic, if the goal is a top 15 quarterback, I think that they could still go 6-10 and 10 and make a lot of these positive strides. So for me, I'm looking more at what I see with the overall picture in terms of how the offense looked, how Darnold looked, if Gates was making the same mistakes that he was making last year and for the three years in Miami. If I see real growth from him, regardless of what the record is, I'd be okay with bringing him back. But I also think that there are far too many people that are, as you said, steering into this narrative that this entire season hinges on Sam Darnold. And that's just not fair. Absolutely, Sam Darnold needs to make significant progress this year. There's no question about it. I think the biggest problem with him is that he was inconsistent his first two years. He would have some just tremendous games and some really wild throws, and then there would be games that were just at best okay and at worst just some real bad ones. The Patriots game comes to mind as one of them, and there are several others that you could talk about, including that game against the Browns in his rookie season. He needs to be more consistent. If he can turn his bad games into okay games, and have more consistently really good games, then we're going to start to see the quarterback that we really felt like we were going to see coming out of USC. But, Joe, the other wild card here that a lot of people don't seem to take into account is that while Sam Donald didn't progress as much as we would have liked in his second season, remember, he did have mono. And what a lot of people don't realize is even when he came back, he wasn't going to be at full strength for the rest of that season because mono takes so much out of you and you could talk to people that were in the building and certainly he was never at full strength the rest of the way. So I think this year is really going to tell us a lot about Sam Donald. It's going to tell us a lot about Adam Gates and I'm really curious to see how this turns out, but I do think that when it comes down to it, you're looking at a team that at least on paper right now, if you're being generous, it's probably around a 6-10 and 10 team, and it's weird because we've talked about how we mostly like what Joe Douglas did in the offseason, but what this also shows you, and you hate to harp on it, but Mike McCagnin did such a bad job of building this roster for several years that it wasn't going to be fixed overnight. Joe Douglas had a lot of really key areas to fix, and he's in the process of doing it. Some of them 
He was able to patch together with decent one-year solutions without blowing up the cap. Others, he was able to hopefully, knock on wood, get some long-term solutions in here. But <laughs> you hate to hear this phrase again because we heard it ad nauseum with Mike Tannenbaum. Unfortunately, it is a process. So that's really what we're looking at right now. And even though the team may be better, when you factor in that other teams have made improvements too, when you factor in the fact that they have a much tougher schedule, when you factor in that they have to travel in a much more rigorous fashion. Last year, they had the easiest travel schedule in the NFL. They didn't even have any West Coast road trips. This year, the travel schedule is really tough. It's very possible, and Damian Woody said it too, that they could be a better team. They could show some really nice strides and still have a worse record. So it's going to be a fascinating season to watch. And like we said, Joe, the seasons don't get played on paper. So we'll see how this all goes in reality. But just looking at it at first glance, last year felt sort of like a 7-9 and nine season that maybe if a couple of things broke right could be 9-7. and seven. Instead, it really turned out to be something where a bunch of stuff broke right and they <laughs> finished 7-9. and nine. I think that more than likely, if a bunch of things break right, you're looking at maybe a 7-9, 8-18, maybe. But that's if everything kind of goes their way. If it doesn't and it ends up playing more along the lines of what the odds makers and most of the experts and the fans seem to think. And I think you're looking at a team that could be five and 11 or six and 10 very easily. Yeah. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it uh, develops out this year. And obviously, you know, things will change uh, in these coming months in terms of rosters and injuries and when these games might even take place. Uh, But on paper, yeah, I think most people are going to pick the Jets to win between maybe five and eight games. I don't know exactly where that final number nets out at, but it, you know, the over-under is currently six and a half in Vegas, so it'll probably be somewhere, you know, right in that range. So that wraps their 2020 schedule. Uh, two-part pod in the book, Scott. Thanks for jumping on and doing part two of this with me. This is a fun crossover. I love when we get the chance to do these because you're usually so busy with your own podcast and Badlands, and then I've got the daily show here on Play Like a Jet, so we don't crisscross that much, but when we do, it always turns out being great shows and a lot of fun. So thanks so much for coming on. Make sure that you subscribe to the TOJ podcast, and more importantly than that, make sure that you sign up for Badlands. It is great value because not only do you get these weekly podcasts with Joe and Connor and a whole bunch of great guests, including CJ Mosley, who's got to be right at the top of the list of guys that you've been able to interview, Joe. So if you haven't had a chance to hear those, go ahead and do that. There's going to be plenty more. As Joe said, there's going to be one over the weekend where Joe and Connor are going to talk and we're talking to Connor earlier and he has a lot of really great nuggets that he found out from after the draft that he's going to share exclusively on the Badlands feed. So you don't want to miss it if you haven't subscribed yet. And also, you get that 10-part docuseries, which, Joe, I know you and Connor put in a ton of work to make happen, and it came out great. So I'm so glad that that's available for people, and it's such a low price. $9.99, you get all these podcasts that will continue throughout the year and access to that 10-part docuseries. So if you haven't had a chance to subscribe to that yet, no better time. You're quarantined. You've got plenty of time to listen to this stuff. So the perfect time to jump in and get right into that docu-series. If you haven't had a chance to review Joe's podcast, the Turn on the Jets podcast on iTunes, or Play Like a Jet yet, 
if you could go ahead and do that for us, we would really appreciate it. It's an easy way to help out our shows. If you like what we're doing, it doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take you much time, but it would go a long way to help us out. So if you could do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.